0: Welcome to Conversations, a podcast featuring conversations about life, theology, scripture, church, and everything in between. Hosted by Genesis Church in Mexico, Missouri. Find out more at www.genesisbegins.com.
1: Hey, welcome to another Conversations podcast. And, um, I'm Jeff Stott, and I have with me Kate Shaw. And today we're going to be talking about the four spaces of anxiety. And uh, before we do that, um, this is actually a part two in the anxiety series. And uh, last time, Kate and I, we talked about the meaning of anxiety, what it is, what it's not, some characteristics of it, just trying to identify uh, more clearly what it is that we're talking about. And so if you missed that podcast, I'd encourage you to go back and uh, check it out. It's about, that podcast is about 45 minutes uh, long. So, um, uh, to, and I, like I said, today we're talking about the four spaces of anxiety, but <clears throat> I do want to give credit to a guy by the name of Steve Cuss. Uh, he's the one that framed this, at least, I don't know if he's the one that framed it, but the first time I heard about the four spaces of anxiety framed it, like we're talking about it today. Was by this guy named Steve Kuss, and he's got a book out called "Managing Leadership Anxiety," um, which talks to leaders uh, in dealing with anxiety in you know their workplace. But um, he also has a video uh, on uh, some videos on uh, right now media if you have access to that, and he also has a podcast. Uh, you just type in, uh, Steve Cuss on Spotify, or how you listen to it, it'll come up and he talks about leadership anxiety. So, uh, and some other stuff, but anyway, uh, I want to give him credit because these four spaces of anxiety, we're going to unpack it, uh, in our version of it. Um, it is a little bit different than Steve Cuss's, but again, the DNA of this conversation actually started with Steve Cuss's a uh, 15 minute thing on right now media with the four spaces of anxiety. And also I meant to do something or I should have done something last time. And I want to, I want to, I want to try to do this with every podcast on anxiety. All right. So Kate and I, we are talking more about like chronic anxiety. Um, some people sometimes it's known as general anxiety disorder. Uh, but um and we're, we'll talk a little bit about social anxieties, but uh, we're talking about like everyday anxiety that bothers us, that hinders us. But there are some times where you're, in, if you're listening, your anxiety is, uh, pretty severe. Uh, it's paralyzing and, um, you need more than a podcast and you need a counselor, a therapist, or a doctor. And, uh, sometimes our anxiety ha- has more to do with our bodies in the sense of the chemicals in them uh, being out of whack. And sometimes medication can help. So I, I and sometimes it's just strategy. So a counselor, or a therapist can help you with some strategies, even though Kate and I will we'll mention some strategies and things, at least I will at the end of uh, one strategy that you can do at the end of this podcast. And so uh, I just wanted to sort of put a disclaimer out there of, uh, I'm I'm not saying that a scripture a day is going to keep the devil away. That's not what I'm talking about here. But God's word provide God provides counselors and therapists and doctors. Those are resources. Anything good uh, that comes into our life is from God in some way. And I, I want you to understand that if you're struggling with anxiety, um, you know your anxiety is unique to you. And so is the solution. One size does not fit all. Now, with that said, now I will be, you know, talking more about the mindset of facing anxiety than these other aspects and how we think, and and we'll be looking at some scriptures and stuff, which is definitely part of uh, the solution because God also has a lot to say about how we think. All right. All right, before we get into this, Kate, anything you want to add to any of that stuff?
0: <laughs> no, but I think it's really good, you know, to just say, especially to those in the church, like you guys, it's it's okay, uh, first of all, to not be okay. And uh, second of all, he's right. You know, this is something that we're talking about that's, you know, kind of a top level, generalized thing. And, and it's sometimes you definitely need to go get help, and I think it's really great, um, especially Jeff, to hear it coming from a pastor that sometimes that's a, that's okay, and sometimes that's needed, so um, just definitely using those resources that God has provided is is a great thing sometimes, so I'm looking forward to talking about these. These four spaces are really useful. They've been good for me.
1: Yeah, same here, um, and uh, for those who are listening, again, I mean, obviously, we got podcasts here that we're talking about, and on my blog site truthapplyjs.com, I've got a few articles I put together that I think will be helpful. Uh, one of them is the four spaces of anxiety, you know, at least my take on it. And you'll hear some of that today. And then there's some other stuff in the article that we're not going to talk about that uh, would be helpful. Also, um, by the time this is released, I will have, I'm going to start dealing with from time to time some on Sunday morning at the church, a pastor on scriptures that deal with anxiety. And so um, by the time this is released, there will be one of the sermons on there on anxiety. So on, on our at least church's website that if somebody wants to listen to, um, I think it would be helpful. All right. So uh, let's just dive into this and all right, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, serving one another, because this is going to come into play later in these four spaces. But how does anxiety hinder us from serving others? The Bible says to serve one another in love, but it seems to me that if we're focused on anxiety, that's going to be a problem for us to serve others. So Kate, from where you sit, how does anxiety hinder, you know, believers from serving others?
0: At least for me, when I'm in an anxious mode or, you know, feeling really overwhelmed, it's really hard to focus anywhere but inwardly at that point um, because you're kind of just focusing on self-care at, 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 that, at that moment. You know, your body's kind of going into this fight or flight mentality. You know, there's not a lot of strategic thinking going on. Um, there's not a lot of, um, I don't know, maybe... Uh, observation of different things that you would normally observe, because everything's just kind of uh, going at a different speed than what you're normally, uh, normally at. So I think that if any, in any circumstance, if you're not in your normal state of mind, and if you're not able to focus outwardly on the needs of others, in addition to the needs of yourself, then it's really hard to, to do anything other than try to cope with what you're dealing with at that moment.
1: Yeah. Because once you start focusing on yourself, you have very little energy left to focus on anybody else. And so if you're dealing with some kind of anxiety, man, it's hard to be, you know, aware and calm and present for the other person. It's hard to think logically. It's hard to think clearly. Um, it's, it's also difficult. I mean, anxiety also causes us issues about trusting God and relying on him. And it just, uh, and we're trying to control the person or the situation or something rather than Mm -hmm. actually bringing truth and light and peace into the situation, you know?
0: Right. Well, and I'm more of a service-minded person anyways, but what I've found is that, um, what would be normally considered service to me when I'm in, that mode of anxiety, it it, go, it goes from being something that I do out of joy to be doing something out of a burden. And, and so if you're viewing something as a burden or something to, that's just like adding on to your stress or to your plate or to your current anxiety levels, then you're not going to be able to come at it with the same um, compassion. You're not going to be able to come at it with the same Uh, efficiency level that you normally would, because you're viewing it as, as a burden. And it's like just another thing on top of maybe what else you have on your shoulders. So that's another aspect of it too.
1: Yeah. Because, you know, the Bible says in Galatians 5, 13, to serve one another in love. And I think it's going to be very difficult, at least for me, it would be to serve somebody in love when my anxiety is causing me to be inward focused. You know, I might be able to say the right things, but I'm I'm not really connected or tuned in to the other person, and so anxiety really can build a wall up, and we can hide that wall because some you know we're good at hiding things, you know, and and faking yes. stuff, you know, and so we can hide our anxiety uh, when in reality we're not really mm-hmm. investing in that individual, pouring into. it. So I, what I wanted to do <clears throat> with that was just really help people be aware that. Um, managing our anxiety helps us to serve others. And if we continue to deny our anxiety and ignore our anxiety and not begin this journey with God about how to manage it, it's going to limit us uh, in what we do for others and our influence and our impact. And uh, and I think God has some big things for people, but part of getting there, Uh, is getting through this valley of anxiety and you know and learning how to manage it and um, I think we said this last time you know anxiety is not going anywhere I mean anxiety anxious situations we're going to have them every day and uh, we've got to learn how to manage it and um, uh, in order to be effective you know and be useful in the in the hands of God. Okay. So let's get into this, uh, the four spaces. Okay. So the four spaces just in a nutshell are the space inside of me. We're talking about the four spaces of anxiety, uh, the space inside of me, the space between me and another, the space inside the other and the space between others. Okay. So there's four of them. Now, the reason why this is important is because if we're going to manage anxiety, if we're going to serve others, um, if we're going to manage our own anxiety, we have to be able to identify where the anxiety is because how you manage that or how you confront it changes. So it's one thing to be able to recognize, okay, this this anxiety is in me. Well, this other anxiety, well, that's in them. I really can't do anything about that other than help them. Calm down. Uh, I mean, I'm not in control of their anxiety. And then you have the anxiety between me and another. Well, okay, that's conflict uh, between me and them in some way or some tension that, okay, there's some conflict principles we need to apply here that will help with the anxiety. And then there's this anxiety between two others. I mean, I'm just a third wheel. And so if I'm, but however, if I'm asked to mediate, well, okay, I got to make sure their anxiety doesn't become my anxiety. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, Uh, Anyway, we'll talk about all of that. So, all right, so let's start with space number one. That's the space in me. Um, Now, uh, this anxiety usually is right underneath and um, this can be felt when you're embarrassed or pressured for time needs, need people's approval, or, you know, even sitting in a noisy restaurant or a cluttered room or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you're experiencing anxiety when one or more of the following occurs. Now, here's the thing. Okay. Now Kate and I, we're going to just briefly talk about the, the, the indications or how to recognize anxiety in you, but there's another podcast coming where the whole podcast is on what we're about to talk about. On how to recognize anxiety in you, and we're going to unpack that in greater detail later. But I definitely wanted to introduce it to you. All right, so, um, Kate, as I rattle these things off real quick, these four uh, ways that we were able to recognize anxiety. I want you to be thinking about how uh, how you recognize it in yourself and what that looks like. Okay, and, and I'm going to do the same. All right, so the four ways that uh, typical ways that we recognize anxiety in ourselves is, is through your thinker. All right. This is your mind begins to speed up or slow down. You know, you begin to overthink or underthink the situation. Now everyone's different here for some, their mind begins to like spin or going over and over the circumstance. As a matter of fact, Steve Kess calls this the, the, uh, spinning mind for others, their mind begins to feel like it's stopping or working in slow motion. They, they, they can't concentrate, their memory gets worse and they have a tendency to become indecisive. So for some people, they recognize anxiety when with, with, with the way they're thinking about something. They can't stop thinking about it. Um, the other aspect is your feeler. You know, you start feeling jittery, you know, restless or on edge, impatient, irritable. For others, they feel lonely, withdrawn, pessimistic or low motivation. And so, Some people recognize anxiety that way. Another way that you can recognize anxiety in you is through your body. Most people begin to feel their neck and shoulders tightening up or stomach cramps. You know, if others, they begin to feel tired, loss of appetite, or they get the munchies, you know, some experience, you know, some experience, their heart pounding and a, you know, or they get a headache. And the fourth way is through their doer. Uh, This is their behavior. In other words, you notice yourself either getting busy or shutting down. For those who get busy, you know, they'll start cleaning the house, rearranging the closet, working on the yard. I mean, they're trying, to, they're trying to get that anxiety out of them, and they may not even know it. And for those who shut down, they will start avoiding people, binge-watching videos, sleeping more, or ignoring responsibilities. And so, again, we're going to talk about all of that stuff in greater detail in a later podcast. So, Kate, with you, where do you notice anxiety in you first?
0: I think for me, there's several indicators that that it's it's starting to kind of. And for me, I'm kind of one of those people that, and you know this, I get involved in a lot of things, and so I uh, sometimes get to to. I, I've kind of started to learn when I'm getting to the edge of when of what I should be doing. I it's it's a really fine art trying to trying to figure that out sometimes. But for me my, my thinker really starts getting messed up. So, okay. That first one, I start to become super ineffective at anything. Um, my brain starts just shutting off. Like, it's just like voluntarily, like, you know what? The circuit breakers are going off. You're, you're, you're about to blow this.
1: (laughs) There's an overload.
0: Yeah. We're going to have to just like start shutting (laughs) things off. Um, I start to lose my memory. I have really bad memory anyway. So I start to have memory issues. Um, I start to just bounce from one topic to the next. And I literally cannot stay on anything for more than a couple minutes. I just start becoming way less productive, way less motivated. Um, It's just, you almost get kind of paralyzed in this state of like, I don't even know what to do next, you know? Um, So that's kind of a mixture between, I think, the feelers kind of incorporated too, obviously I probably become a little more edgy or impatient with my kids because, you know, kids are going to push you to the limit, no matter what state you're in. So, um, and then I, you know, I've had even it manifests in the physical uh, aspect of things where, you know, even for the last, I would say six years um, I've, lost almost so much range of motion in my neck and my shoulders, because it just kind of like tenses up in that area. And so, um, you know, there's so many things you can do to try to help that too. But ultimately, I mean, it's, it's coming from inside and it's, it's, uh, something that's really hard to, to get rid of that part because it sticks around a lot longer. So, um, so I'd say that there's just like a lot of things, basically I'm experiencing things from all of those, um, pretty much just a few of each.
1: But tip, uh, but typically for you, when you first think, uh, oh, I'm anxious or ever how you think about it, uh, is it, th- you're saying it's through your thinker, you recognize it there first, even though they're all, I mean, yeah. all these things are related, yeah. but yeah, but,
0: no, um, I would say it's definitely my thinker. I start to, um, I'll say I'll start to miss things I wouldn't normally miss or, uh-huh. you know, just, wouldn't would miss a, meet, a deadline or not a deadline but miss like a meeting or miss something that I just would should have known you know things right. just start start kind of just shutting off like I said <laughs> so it's that's usually where it first comes from but um like that's kind of more like if I'm working or you know doing my normal day-to-day things but if I'm in a really crowded space you know if I'm in a um a room and it's like really crowded lots of people just like very, you know, like a subway or something like that, that makes me just, (laughs) and so like that situation is more uh, physical, I would say physically will happen first, you know, you start to just kind of sweat, and you feel like your heart's starting to speed up, and you just want to escape, and you're hot, and you're like, I don't even, I don't want to be in this space, you know, so yeah, there's different, I mean, it kind of manifests differently based on where you're at, or what you're doing, but it's important to know those things and be able to recognize it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you said something that's true for me. So typically, uh, my recognition of anxiety in me is with my thinker as well. Uh, I will start overthinking. Uh, and because overthinking is one way of controlling it. Cause I'll start thinking mm-hmm. through the scenario. Um, you know, evaluating every possible outcome, having a solution for it. I mean, just, it just goes over and over, over my mind. And I just keep replaying it, replaying it, replaying it. Um, however, depending on the circumstance or the situation, there are times where I don't, uh, it's not that I'm overthinking it. I feel it. In other words, I can, I uh, I, I notice it first. Oh, I'm impatient. You know, this is, this is irritating me for some reason. And, um, Uh, And for my body, uh, yeah, it's uh, for me, it's, it's, it's my shoulders and neck, which is very common. I mean, you mentioned that I'm the same way. Um, And my doer, I don't shut down, I get busy. And so, yeah. um, And I, uh, if I'm anxious, I feel like the, it's almost like I, I believe this lie. And we'll talk about some anxiety lies, you know, in some other podcasts, but one of the lies I believe is, is that the if I can get busy, the more I do, the more I can remove the anxiety. And that's just a control thing, but uh, which is a lie. It just creates more anxiety. It's just this vicious cycle. Okay. So, yeah. the, all right. So this is why it's important for uh, you to be able to recognize the first sign of your anxiety, because as soon as you can recognize your anxiety, that you've got it, the sooner you can recognize it, the sooner you can begin to apply some management uh, things to it, okay, so before it gets out of control. And uh, again, in the podcast that's coming down where we talk about recognizing uh, anxiety in yourself, uh, we'll we'll talk about some stuff there. But, but it's very important that the space within you, that you're very aware of what's going on and that you're able to recognize it. And just as a thought here, Proverbs 12, 25 says this, anxiety in a person's heart weights it down, but a good word makes it glad. Okay. So Proverbs twelve twenty five. I want you to notice he's talking about the anxiety in the space we're talking about within you, you know, anxiety in a person's heart weights it down. And I want to say to you that, man, uh, anxiety can get heavy and, um, And and it can be over the same subject that never changes. It's just that it's like anything. If you carry something long enough, after a while, it just seems heavier, you know, even though it's really not. I mean, I mean, just go, just go pick up a, a, you know, a a one gallon of milk and walk around with it, holding it all day long by (laughs) the end, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. By the end of the day, that thing is just heavy. Okay. So there was this, okay. There's this thing. Okay, okay. When I was in high school, played football, and there was this horrible exercise I hated with a passion, and so did everybody else that they called them bear sprints. And the coach would have us do this. And what they would do is they would now, I'm okay, I'm six four at the time, I was six four, weigh 205. And I am, uh, they said, pick somebody the same size and weight. All right. So I had to pick somebody that was around 200 pounds or so. And what we would do is he would say, All right have that person jump on your back. And so you're piggybacking, all right. So you're, they got him on your, you got them on your back and he would line us up at the, the end zone at the practice field. And he would have us do these 50 yard sprints with this guy on our back. We'd get to the 50 cool. yard line. We would switch out, get on his back. And he, we would just keep going back and forth. It was so grueling Not that, by, that. The, yeah, by the <sighs> end of this thing, nobody Sounds was awful. running. I mean, we're just trying to walk. And to just do the, and to accomplish the little simplest thing of just moving forward and walking became very difficult. And, um, but the thing is, is that over, you know, with each time we were doing this, uh, the guy that I was carrying, you know, let's say he weighed 200 pounds, uh, his weight didn't change, but it sure felt like, it, you know, Yeah. and so, uh, and by the, again, by the end of it, you know, we were, we couldn't focus we could only focus on little things. And that's what anxiety does. It really causes us to, it wears us out. It weights us down to where just doing some of the smallest details in life, just take a lot more effort and you don't want to be there. God has, God has a different plan for that. And again, it may come through medication or therapy or some strategies or uh, just a, a, a faith shift uh, and the way you think shift. And again, we'll talk all about that later. Uh, all right. So space number one, is the space in me. Okay. So then, uh, space number two is the space between me and another. All right. This space deals with relational anxiety. Um, now there are many sources that can create anxiety in a relationship. So, uh, Kate, I want to turn it over to you for just a minute here and ask you what are some things that create anxiety in relationships?
0: Well, I mean, I think everybody has people in their life that maybe they have some sort of tension with, or, um, you know, maybe it's, you're worried about your kids getting hurt or something, you know, or maybe you have someone in your family that is got, you know, you guys have got some sort of conflict with each other. Um, I think there's a lot of I mean, because we're interacting with people nonstop in our in our life. There's so many endless reasons why you could have relational anxiety with someone. Um, but honestly, for me, it's that I'm just um maybe maybe worried about what their perception is of my role in the relationship and um being concerned that maybe I'm not doing fulfilling my end of the relationship. That's a big one for me. Um, obviously, I worry about my kids a lot. I think every parent does. Um, but, you know, I, I really struggle with trying to make sure that, trying to make sure relationships that I have are good. And if I don't feel like they are, or if my anxiety is making me feel like they're not, um, that, you know, that can be really hard for someone to process because, you know, if you've got that anxiety telling you that they're mad at you, but they're actually not. And, you know, it's just, it's really, it can be kind of a vicious cycle.
1: <laughs> oh man, don't, uh, okay. I'm tempted to just dive right into the voice of anxiety, the message of anxiety, and yeah, that'll be for later. Um, <laughs> Cause it, that that's huge for me. And we'll mention a little bit here in a minute, but I, it's all right. So uh, what I heard you say was uh, within that was the <clears throat> word expectation. You didn't say expectations, but I wrote down expectation. And I think when it comes to the space between you and another, a lot of times expectations will create anxiety because I'm expecting you to do something. You're expecting me to do something. And when one of us doesn't, the expectation or the not meeting expectation creates this anxiety. And if it's not mm-hmm. managed correctly, or if we don't have an, a, an understanding, or we're or we're bad at communicating, and so I think it's important. Again, part of managing anxiety <laughs> is conflict resolution. I mean, learning how to deal with that because sometimes yeah. a quick conversation can solve a lot of issues. You know, uh, but, and but but we're afraid to bring it up, or we're afraid to mention yeah. it, or ask and.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I will never forget when I was in junior high, I, I think it was seventh grade. I got picked. Okay. this Okay. This is junior high too. Junior high is a tough time. Okay. I got picked to be what they called a peer mediator. And what they would do is they would take two fighting teenage um, kids from, you know, the junior high age, and instead of sending them to the principal's office, they would set them down with another kid that was trained to be a peer mediator and they would have to hash it out with the peer mediator. So I think I've just realized where all my source of anxiety comes from with relationships, because let me tell you what, I mean, just, I, I still remember things that I learned and how to handle those situations, you know, making one person tell their side of the story, having the other person tell their side of the story, you know, trying to help them identify where that disconnect happened and, and to be able to see and hear each other, you know, it's obviously for junior high kids, it's a lot harder, but I mean, it's still, it's hard for us adults too, sometimes, but anyway, I I always will remember that because it's just, it really makes a difference to just get it all out on the table and, uh, sometimes as the third party, even trying to mediate that, it can cause anxiety as well, because you're, you're trying to get in the middle of it all. So it, life can be complicated with people.
1: Okay. So, uh, uh, well, first of all, absolutely. Life not only can be life is complicated with people, you know, it even is. the best people, godly people, you know, there's still conflict, Oh. Uh, all right. So when it comes to this space between you and another, um, you know, so Kate, you've mentioned expectations. Um, and I'm going to mix, uh, I'm going to mention um, unclear communication um, or, un, or mixed messages. And so I used to do, uh, I don't do a whole lot anymore, but I, I used to do uh, like premarital counseling and some marriage counseling and stuff of that nature. And um, one of the things I saw all the time, was one spouse not clearly communicating and they would send a mixed message. And so they would either use, um, like an unclear command. Um, you know, like if, okay, parents do this, they'll, they'll tell their kids, they say, look, I think, I think it would be a good idea if you cleaned your room today, what they really mean is you need to clean your room right now. okay. Uh, but the kid hears okay clean my room sometime today so the parent walks off goes comes back and the kid's still playing video and now all of a sudden there's this conflict because the parent sent this unclear command but yet placed their understanding of what they meant onto the kid now let's just say the kid knew what he what the parent meant you know but however i think on our role we have to be very clear in the command, but that creates anxiety. Now all of a sudden it's escalated into something it never should have escalated if the parent would have just simply said, you need to clean your room. Right. Right now. And I'm going to be back in five minutes to see if you're <laughs> if see if you started you know, that kind of thing. You know, so Absolutely. that's it. yeah. 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 So uh,
0: expectations.
1: There you are. And uh when we're talking about this uh you know space between you and another uh this unclear or mixed message, this passive aggressive stuff, you know, where people just, mm. oh man, they're just, they're very, um, uh, they say one thing, they imply something, they're not clear. It's just passive aggressive. You're not sure what they're wanting. Um, you know, uh, how, you know, yes. like, how are you, how are you doing? Well, I'm fine. Whatever, you know, even <laughs> that fine, whatever you know, uh, and also there's a passive aggressive, aggressive activities. I mean, or behavior, meaning, you know, uh, one person will give somebody sort of a silent treatment, you know, mm-hmm. you can tell they're quieter than normal. It's like, okay, have I offended them? I'm not sure. Yeah. And if I ask, will it just escalate? You know, it's unclear, you know, it's mixed mess. Yes, you know? absolutely. You know, are we okay? Um, yeah. You know, are we okay?
0: That, yeah, that's hard. Yeah. That is really hard for someone with anxiety like that those kind of passive aggressiveness probably is one of the top things for me that will send me, you know, into um, being anxious because I, you know, I just don't, I don't know what they want me to do. And that really bugs me.
1: Um, I'm with you, you know, um, you know, I've seen people where they're trying to communicate passive aggressively by, you know, uh, closing doors a little louder than normal? You know? <laughs> or, yeah,
0: I have two 10-year-olds. I know that. Yeah. I know that language.
1: <laughs> or they just simply sigh louder. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. it's passive aggressive. Or just
0: be in general, just do every motion is bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Everything is louder. Yes. Suddenly <laughs> all the dishes are so much louder being put away.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, like, wow, they are just about to break some <laughs> dishes. Um, you know, it's sarcasm fits into the same category. Uh, this whole mixed, uh, message, not sure, because uh, a lot of times, you sure. know, people use sarcasm to be funny and I get it and make a point, but, uh, but you know, sarcasm really is about just making fun of somebody while you make a point and that can create anxiety. Sure. So anyway, right. um, but I just wanted to be, I, I, we need to be aware that we have this anxiety space between us and someone else. And, um, we have to be aware that that space exists and there are some things we can do. And we'll talk about that later on, but I just want you to be aware that there's a space inside you, a space uh, between you and another, and you need to be identified where the anxiety is because it that's important so you can manage it correctly. Uh, and by the way, the Bible does say a lot of stuff about that space between you and another, like love one another, forgive one another, <laughs> encourage one another. It's uh, all that one another language that's all about the space between you and somebody else. And so, uh, and I, uh, by the way, if man, if we were to take the Bible seriously, and I hope we do, if we really worked at, you know, loving one another, forgiving one another, showing concern for one another, carrying one another's burdens, you know, being compassionate to one another, allowing for each other's faults, you know, building each other up. And the Bible talks about don't slander one another, don't complain against one another, we're to pray for each other and we're to be humble toward one another. If we were to do that, uh, there, that would solve a lot of anxiety issues, you know, in some relationships, just working on those one another things. Okay, so the third space uh is inside the other okay so you know space number one is inside me space number two is between me and the other and now space number three is inside this other person um and the you are not responsible for the anxiety in them you you don't have to that's that's not your zone okay um, you know, you just need to be careful about your anxiety. They're going to have to find a way to deal with their own anxiety. Uh, however, you can keep their anxiety from spreading to you and you may be able to influence their anxiety by helping them lower it by being aware, calm and present in their presence and for them. Cause it's amazing how, you know, if you're calm, it can calm somebody else down, that kind of thing. Um, oh my gosh! So yeah. much, yes. <laughs> so when you are around someone who is anxious, how does how does that affect you? And what do you do? I mean, when, when you're when you're aware, calm, and present, when you're functioning right at that moment, uh, how do you recognize anxiety in them? And how do you keep it from becoming your anxiety? So
0: this one is really big for me because specifically with. Like uplift and the interactions that I have with people that are oftentimes in a really anxious situation. Um, This is—it's hard for me to not take that onto myself. Um, But you know, through through a lot of the skills I've learned and that we'll talk about, it's definitely helped me to be able to to recognize when that's starting to come over to my side of things. Um, but when I start to notice someone is, is very anxious, I start to um, go into like solutions mode. So trying to look for, okay, let's, let's think this through. Let's look at, th- let's step back about 10 steps. And let's look at this from you know a, a little bit broader of a lens here and see You know, what are our, what are our options? You know, what are our major, what are our immediate issues that need to be addressed? You know, and and helping people to kind of step back, take a deep breath, look at the whole situation and nine times out of 10, you know, if someone calls us or texts us and says, you know, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in panic mode. My landlord just told me they're going to kick me out you know, I need to, I need something right now, I need to fix it right now, everything's going, you know, I'm, I'm going to lose my house, I'm going to build lives, like this cascade of like, all the bad things that are going to happen as a result of this. Um, I think once, once you can bring a calm demeanor to them and help to help them to identify maybe a, a path forward, a, some solutions to their to their issue, um, it gives people, it gets people out of that mode, but it's so easy to pick up on that and just take that on your shoulders. I mean, my, by nature, I'm a really em, you know, empathetic person. So it's really easy for me to just completely take all that. And then, but you just can't, you can't do that. I mean, it, you can't take on all of that. Otherwise you will never be functional.
1: Well, you know, here's the thing. Um, if you allow someone's anxiety to infect you, what you've just done is you've doubled the amount of anxiety because right. their anxiety is now your anxiety. It's not that you're sharing the load, that's not what I'm talking. About. I mean, you're just as anxious as they are and there's nobody that is aware common present, you know. Mm-hmm. And so there's really nobody thinking clearly, talking clearly and and you know we're all caught up right. in the emotion of anxiety. Uh all right, so my wife used to work uh, for a guy years ago and he planned a, a bunch of part of the, the organization um had to do a fundraising kind of thing and they would have national speakers. I mean, big name type people. And, uh, and there'd be, there'd be this banquet and there'd be a dinner and, you know, and then there'd be a, every table would have, you know, a host. And then they invited people and there's a lot of people in the room with a lot of money and they would raise, you know, we're talking, you know, a hundred thousands of dollars and up. I mean, you know, just a lot of money. And so, um, well, Pam was part of the planning Process and she had planning aspects on it. And anyway, so <clears throat> one day uh, he comes in and says, uh, "Pam, have you contacted you know so and so about this and that?" And, that? and she said, uh, "Well, yeah, it's on my list. I'm going to be getting to it today. And uh, you know, we've already got this done and that done. And anyway, he, you know, he was in panic mode over it. And he and he told her, he said, "Look, if you are not panicking over this, you don't know how important this is." <laughs> and so but but that's that's how some people are they they want you to feel as nervous and uptight and as anxious as they are and if man if you allow that to happen you're not gonna be able to do your job you're not gonna be able to function well you're not gonna be good to anybody like you were talking about you know yourself you know once you get anxious some people just start shutting down they can't think clearly and they forget stuff and all of that Mm -hmm. Um, but here's the cool thing oh you got something you want to say
0: no, I mean I I think that everything you're saying is is com- completely accurate and I'm I'm identifying a little bit with the the boss there. I uh I know how it goes to <laughs> want people to have the same sense of urgency you do, but sometimes that can come across uh a little bit like spreading your yeah. I could yeah. see
1: that. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference between, uh, motivation and, uh, panic. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. That's, um, that's true. Yeah. That you know, true. you want to motivate your people and not panic them. So, uh, true. Yeah. Yes. And, and the thing is that God has created every human being with what the medical fields call this mirror neurons. Okay. And in the brain, and it gives you the capacity to understand others. And so, it, it's how you develop empathy, but it also means you're wired to absorb other people's anxieties and fears and worries and frustrations. So you have to be careful here because God wants you to sympathize and empathize, but not internalize. And that, that's a, that is huge uh, because the Bible, when you look it up, the Bible says things like sympathize with each other. First Peter three, eight and Galatians chapter six, it talks about share each other's burdens. And again, if you start internalizing the other person's anxiety, again, you're going to double the anxiety, uh, because you want to sympathize with them because they're nervous, they're anxious, they're worried, they're afraid, uh, they're upset, they're, you know, they're uptight. Um, and you want to share each other's burdens, meaning, okay, how can I get underneath you help you carry this load without it becoming your load, you know, and you're sharing it. Um, So, and the Bible has a lot to say about that. Okay. Any other comments on that before we move into the, uh, next one, the next space. Okay. Um, all right. So now we've, we've talked about the space with in ourselves. We've talked about the space inside someone else. We've talked about the space between that someone else and us. And so now we're going to be talking about the space between others where I'm not really involved is between two others. Uh, This is the anxiety that already exists in the space between two people before you arrive in the room, in the conversation, you know, (laughs) you encounter this anxiety space when you enter a room or conversation where tension exists, before you arrive. So you, you can see this between, uh, I've seen this happen with, uh, when I do as a pastor, I do weddings. So I could, I see this in a wedding parties. So there's, there's people mm-hmm. having, oh, they're fighting over something over there, uh, between yeah. coworkers, between your children, uh, between your parents, between two of your friends, you yep. know, it, it's just two other people. Uh, and, and, and it's that awkward feeling, uh, that you get when you realize you have interrupted or encountered two people arguing you you, all of a sudden you feel like i'm a third wheel there's something not right here Mm -hmm. you know so uh, absolutely yeah so what are some signs there's anxiety between others you know what should be our reaction when we notice it you know what, what you got jeff you
0: know i think that there has to be some science to this because i must have more of these mirror neurons you're talking about than others, because I swear somebody could have had a fight 10 minutes ago and I could walk into a room and know that somebody had a fight, you know? And so I, Oh my gosh, that stresses me out so much. I I'm not a person that I don't, am sure most people don't like conflict, but I really don't like conflict. I mean, I, I think I can even, it's just, you could feel it in this in the room. You can feel it in the space between people. Of course, all the things we just talked about, you know, with people being passive aggressive, people, you know, towards you they' they could be doing that towards somebody else too. And so you're even maybe observing it even more because you're outside of it looking in going, well, something's definitely wrong here because, you know, there's no reason he should be slamming those doors as hard as he is. So anyway, yeah, no, I, I get really, um, that stresses me out a lot because, you know, I feel like I may, and maybe it's the junior peer mediator in me, but I just feel like I have to, to fix it. You know, I don't like for people to be fighting with each other. So, um, so yeah, that's definitely, uh, it's very hard. And sometimes I feel like you do need to, to be that peacemaker, you know, between people. And, um, you know, that's something I really strive to be because I, I don't want people to feel that kind of anxiety between each other uh, either. So
1: yeah. It is an awkward situation where there are times where I'm with some people and, uh, two of them are having a conversation and there's a miscommunication and then one gets upset and the is, and I'm watching this happening. And I'm thinking because I'm, I'm an outsider looking in and right. and, <laughs> and, and I'm having to be careful that their anxiety does not enter me. And in, in my space, cause it's between those two, but at the same time, I'm starting to feel my own anxiety about, I know the answer. I know what, I know what she means, but he thinks she means this. And that's not what's happening. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, right.
0: that's, yeah, that's yeah. the big thing. Yeah. It's a lot easier to see from outside looking in sometimes. Yes. What the resolution is.
1: It is. And uh, you talk about being a mediator. Uh, and there are times I think as Christians, we're, we're God's going to call us to step in and, uh, okay. I want to read Philippians chapter four, verse two, because it talks about this space that we're talking about between two other people that's outside of us, that the anxiety is there. So, um, Paul says something interesting in Philippians chapter four to two women who were in conflict with each other. And he says, this, this is in Philippians four, beginning in verse two, he says, now I appeal to Yodia and Seneca, two ladies, please, uh, because you belong to the Lord. I mean, they're Christians. All right. Settle your disagreement. All right. We're not told what it is, but there's obviously some kind of issue between the two. And then he says, and I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women. He's he's talking to someone in the Philippian church. He says, and I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women for they work hard with me and telling others the good news. All right. So they're about reaching lost people, making disciples. And then he goes on to say, they worked along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are written in the book of life. So he, he, he respects these two ladies. He admires these two ladies. He sees them as valuable, but obviously this, he's not there, but he thinks, you know, that if somebody were to step in that they could help, these two ladies come to some kind of agreement and understanding, and have some reconciliation. So uh, there are going to be these times where God may call you to be that person to bring some logic and reason and new thoughts, you know, uh, into a uh, into that space between those two people. But it's important that you don't let their anxiety become you, because you are the one that's going to be aware calm and present for those two you are the mediator um, all right any comments on that okay
0: yeah uh so if you have two people that are disagreeing and they have anxiety towards each other if you get sucked into the anxiety between them then all of a sudden it becomes the other The other one of the four things we talked about, which now it's between you and somebody else. So now you're in this little triangle of anxiety, and somebody else is going to have to come in. So uh, I guess the important thing to remember is um, to remain objective and um, to make sure you come at it from a uh, perspective where you can see both sides from uh, an awareness, I guess, of the situation. It helps so much. Because again, these people are in that fight or flight mode, right? That we talked about earlier. So they are not seeing the situation clearly because that's where that's where they're at. You know, they're seeing it very inwardly. Maybe they're not seeing the other person's perspective. So being able to identify that in people will help you to point those things out, not only for them, but so that you don't feed into it and get sucked in as well.
1: All right. Um, on the um, on my uh, blog site truthappliedjs.com. Um, I'm I'm writing these articles on anxiety and at the end of each article, I'm I'm putting some action steps that people can take. That's tangible on how to improve managing anxiety and becoming aware of anxiety and those kinds of things. And, uh, and on this one, uh, the four spaces, uh, I want to share with the listeners an exercise. I I, I want you to, I want you to, if you are serious about managing anxiety, you've got to become aware and be able to recognize it pretty quickly, the space of anxiety. So I recommend that you start an anxiety journal. I'm not talking about a diary. I'm talking about more like a notebook and where you just start keeping notes on anxiety and, um, to where you can start sharpening your mind and thinking through some things that you hear that's helpful for you. Um, and in this anxiety journal, I want to give you a little exercise that I think will help you to begin training yourself to recognize wh- what space you're dealing with when it comes to anxiety. So in your, in your journal, <clears throat> write down uh, so things that you're noticing that's where anxiety is. Okay, just write, I'm anxious about this. I see anxiety here, but what you're doing is you're going to write down these anxiety statements where you see it, um, whether it's at work and your family at home. And I want you to begin to identify, okay, is that anxiety in me? Is it in the other person? Is it between me and the other person or is it between those two? Okay. So, because once you're able to identify those things quickly and it becomes more natural to you, because you'll find that managing it will become easier because you now you're able to identify um, w- where the anxiety is and that's what you're, you're dealing with With just in yourself. It's not between you and another. It's really within you. Even though you think, you know, you're, you're, you're consumed about what they're thinking about you, it's really not in them. It's all in you, you know? So, uh, uh, and I think as you start writing this out, uh, I'm, I'm saying just do it for a week or two. I'm not talking about the rest of your life here. This is a little exercise, a little training thing to where you become more aware. Um, uh, again, it, this, is not, this doesn't solve the anxiety, but it, but it begins the managing of it. And you have to be aware of it before you can address it. Uh, so anyway, I hope that exercise will be helpful for some folks. And there's a few other exercises on, on the article that you can, a couple of others that you can look at, I think that will be helpful for you. Uh, but every article will have something of this nature. Um, to give, get you started, give you something to do. Uh, all right, we've been talking about the four spaces of anxiety. Uh, it's been good. I hope it's been helpful for you and Kate. Uh, you got any last words for the listeners?
0: No, other than uh, it's really good to be able to identify, you know, these these areas, and I'm looking forward to uh, kind of talking more about the strategies that that we can do to try to help. Uh, manage our anxiety when we when we figured out what space that we see it in and and how we can target that and and uh help people listening to improve their quality of life and not let anxiety rule it and uh and let god work on us and them and and kind of get this out there i'm excited to hear more
1: yeah uh you know one of the questions i've had and for the listeners um you know, the Bible talks about cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. That's in first Peter. Um, you know, the, one of the questions I have is, okay, what does that, what does that mean? You know, what does it, you know, you know, I mean, it's got, you know, I, I don't, I think it means more than just, okay, uh, just forget about it. I, you know, like don't think about it. I, that's not what that means at all. And, but I think that's what some, how, how some people, unconsciously interpret it but it it, there's a much deeper meaning there's a a very much more practical meaning behind that and we'll we'll get into that later all right uh four space of anxiety it's been good and uh we will talk to you guys next time
0: thank you for listening this has been conversations If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to click subscribe and leave us a great review. And to find out more about Genesis Church, please visit www.genesisbegins.com.